0: Although I've seen some scripts, I know words weren't spelled right. There was hardly any commas in it at all. So I don't think that's too important. Hey, you want to get on the train here or you want to ruin another take, huh? It's Tooth to Read, Will. We're trying to make a movie here, not a film.
1: Man, I don't drop character till I've done the DVD commentary. You want to eat the writer? Be my guest. That will leave you to explain how else your character is supposed to
2: get to Bremen. Welcome back to another episode of the In the Mouth of Darkness Chatcast. I'm your host, Brad Gullickson, the Mouth Dork, and joining me today is Billy Das, the Indie Dork. What's up, Billy? And nothing much. Just keep living our best lives with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are back in the Dork Cave. We've returned from the New Orleans Overlook Film Festival. Oh, my gosh. We have scored so many rad interviews down south, and I am very excited to bring those to you listeners. But guess what? You're going to have to wait one more week for that because we've got another really special episode <laughs> uh, for you this week. David Palomero, the director of Murder Made Easy, has returned to the In the Mouth of Darkness chatcast to further the conversation around his movie, but more importantly, the selling of his film mm-hmm. and what it's like to be on the road. Years after he's (laughs) crafted the film, and still trying to get as many eyes as possible onto the picture. I think that's a really cool thing about this conversation is, you know,
3: because we talk to so many, uh, indie filmmakers as they are like their, their movies gone out into the world. We really talk a lot about like the process of making the movie. Um, but as far as independent film goes, man, these guys, guys and gals are out there having to learn how to market a film, how to cut trailers for themselves, um, and how to do business deals. And, and there's a whole lot of challenging areas that we don't get into. And Dave was kind enough to, um, I think really kind of let us in on the inside of that experience for yeah. Him.
2: I mean, he's an inspirational dude. Absolutely. You just look at what he is doing with his social media presence—you know, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter—and it's like, "Hey, Itmod, step up your game and meet Murder Made Easy's platform." Yeah, it's yeah. impressive. It's a challenge. It, yeah, it's <laughs> an, it's an absolute challenge, and I feel like D- Dave is really excelling in that. And. The added bonus to this conversation is that we are joined by JK of Horrorhound, Diabolique magazine, and Dread Central. Mm-hmm. Uh he is another guy who has taken over and controlled his platform on social media. Yeah, absolutely. And it's hard not to be inspired by him. You know, he's another one of those guys like Dave Chen of Slash Filmcast, when he was on our podcast, he's there also getting video along yeah, with yeah, the audio yeah. he's taking our podcast yeah. and making it his own thing uh what what do you call it he's fully um maximizing his time and energy and damn I want to be that guy.
3: And I, and I think that's, you know, that's kind of the lead into our conversation that sort of happened off mic is that, you know, you, me, JK, and Dave were sitting around just kind of talking about leaning into your passion. And once you make the decision that like, I don't need permission from other people to go out and do these things that I love and that I'm passionate about, that it really does start to open doors for you. And I, and I think that's really kind of where the conversation picks up with Dave.
2: Yeah, and, and, and Jay has been doing what we've been doing this last year for an entire lifetime. You know, yeah. we've been going to Chattanooga, Film festival. We've been going to the Overlook Film Festival, Genre Blast, Lost Weekend, Sundance, Fantastic Fest, all that stuff. Uh, JK has made a career out of that
3: <laughs> and I, I kind of thought we were like You know Putting on our grown up pants As we were doing Like we're gonna go to The Overlook Film Festival We're gonna be the real deal And JK's like yeah, I just got back from South America Where I was doing some Film festivals there And I was like Damn We gotta go to there
2: <laughs> Yeah So let's jump into This conversation with Dave And Jay And uh, let's Let's get re-inspired And then we will meet you back On the back half of this conversation To send you on your way Alright so Let's get on with it <laughs> Hey, we're back at the Alamo Draft House in Winchester, Virginia, our favorite projection booth in all of America. We've been to every single one. We've tested them. <laughs> this is the best one. It has the best posters. It has the best applications of mustaches to those posters. This is the best projection booth. And we're really excited because today, returning to the podcast is filmmaker David Palomero. Oh. Hey, you got the name right. I you got t- it. I Congratulations, did. I was Brad. pretty sure I was going to mess it up. <laughs> Uh, but no, I got it right. <laughs> uh, you, you are the writer, director. Uh, hold on. Why am I blanking? Oh, uh,
1: uh, You got the name right now. You got this now, wrong.
2: You're the director of Murder Made Easy.
1: That's correct. Yes, I came up with a story for it, but our writer was Tim Davis. Yeah, Thank you. I don't want to
2: deprive Mr. Davis. <laughs> no. Uh, I'm probably going to delete all that out. And I'm going to say this all over again. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Aww, that was good. No, you like it? <laughs> I like all right, it. Keep it. Keep, <laughs> keeping it. We're
1: going to keep this, too. What a don't great edit. man say, screw it, we'll do it live. Screw it, we'll do screw it live. It. It's <laughs>
0: happening
2: now. <laughs> uh, David, thank you so much for coming back to the podcast. Thank you
1: guys for having me. I, again, I really appreciate
2: it. And you're back to the Alamo Draft House in Winchester, Virginia, to screen your movie, Murder Made Easy. Man, you have been hustling with this film. Uh, what I wanted to start this conversation on was the fact that we, like, we rarely talk about what happens after you make a movie. You know, we wanna talk about the process of making a movie, the joy of making a movie, uh, the hardship of making a movie. But now you've had this movie and you gotta get it out to as many people as possible, you become a carnival barker of sorts yes. for your film. Talk about that experience. Well,
1: I think when you make an independent film, uh, unless you get a distributor who's going to come in and do that for you, oftentimes filmmakers have to, by necessity, be their own PR person. So, um, you know, honestly, once we had gotten into a few festivals, we, I just kept submitting. And, you know, that, that festival run was about a year and a half. And then I did a ton of research on um, distributors. And then once we were lucky enough to secure distribution, our Blu-ray distributor is Scream Team Releasing, which is an amazing company. And our digital distributor is Terra Films, and they're great too. And then once that happened, it's like, yeah, it's like part two. Now you got to really, you got you to go out there, you got to get reviews, you got to get PR. Um, I personally, you know, learned how to do a uh, press release. I'm like, what the, last year I was like, what the hell's a press release? I don't know. So I Googled it. And I have used publicists in the, in the past, um, but they can get uh, a little pricey. Sure. So, um, it's like everything else with indie film. It's, it's, much, it's very much like pre production and production, uh, in that you know, you're know you going to have to do a lot yourself. So, I, you know, I feel like you're right. It's a Carnival Bar. You're like, if, if you want people to come and see, hey, come and see this carnival, you have to stand there and you have to shout and coerce people and scream and yell and kick and scream, and hopefully they'll come. And watch what would your you film. say the, the most challenging
3: new skill you had to teach yourself in order to kind of fill in the gaps here to, to push this movie out As far the as promotionally speaking? sure anywhere along the way i mean i cuz because you know the more indie filmmakers that we talk to exactly like you're saying though is the more i realize that it's not just being the guy telling the camera where to look, you know, and then the movie goes out, like there's the, the whole spectrum of bringing a movie, uh, you know, into creation and then out into the masses, uh, requires a lot of specialized skills. And I, and like, like you were saying, you know, you had to learn how to do a press release, literally not the first time somebody's come on here and said, oh, I had to Google, uh, how to do this particular thing. So I was just always curious, like, what is, what's the biggest challenge as you're uh, learning new skills?
1: Wow. Um, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think, I don't know, they're all challenging, you know, from pre-production to production on, but I think the best the best thing I can say is just to find a community of people.
2: Mm. Like, I think mm-hmm. if
1: it's this was true when I was involved with a music scene in L.A. called Kiss or Kill. If you're sincere, the same thing when I go to film festivals. Like, I, I love films, and, you know, you see some films you really, really love, some you don't, but you know, I always try to be very encouraging to people, and if you see, if I see something that, that I really love, that I'm passionate about, I, I want to get to know those people, and I make a lot of connections. I try to make connections with people before a film festival. I'll reach out to them online, you know, the other filmmakers. They don't know me. I'm going to this new festival. I'm like, hey, man, I made this film. I see your films XYZ. I want to come and see it. And it's coming from a place of just love, loving films. And I think that's true across the board with, you know, production on through um, promotional stuff. If you're just sincere and you support other people, I think it will come back to you. And I think, because I, what I really don't like are people that, and you have this in LA, people that are fakey that are like, they just want to use you for something. I remember one time, I remember one time, this is before I started getting back into filmmaking. I was in, the, uh, it was my friend's wedding and I went to like a um, men, men's warehouse or one, I don't know what it was, one of those tuxedo places. I was, get, I was trying some stuff on, I was in the changing room and I, I know the film actually, the film did come out. I don't want to say what film it was. But <laughs> I'm in the changing room and this is before the internet was really, really big when people were using it a lot, but it was probably more like the MySpace era or whatever. And this guy had cornered someone outside my dressing room and um, where I was changing or whatever. And he was like, hey, man, I'm doing this film about this star. We're looking for fun. And, uh, and, and I was, like, mortified. Oh, and God. I stayed in the dressing oh, room God. for, like, an extra half hour just to make sure the guy wasn't <laughs> out there because I didn't want to get hassled by this dude. And, like, that stuff, because to me, it's not coming from a good place. I don't mm. know. I tried not to do that. And I don't, like... That that, ickiness—that's that—I don't. That's a big turnoff for me, so I try to avoid that. You've now convinced me I do need to move
2: to LA. I I Uh, I want those experiences. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So I think community, like that's huge. Uh, You know, Billy and I, uh, you know, for the last year since you've been on this podcast, we've really been about going out and meeting as many people as possible who love the things that we love, who want to celebrate the things that we do. And that brings us to our second guest, who I have not actually introduced yet on this episode. Yes. But we have a collector of conversations with us today. Yeah. The, great, yeah. the one and only. The one and only, J.K., J., I apologize for
0: not introducing you at the start. That's okay. Obviously I was nervous and I'm, <laughs> I'm not here at for all professional. are not here for me. I appreciate that as much as I do. <laughs>
1: I warned Brad that Palomaro's can talk a lot and babble. Palomero. Palomero. Palomino Palomero right for
0: tonight. <laughs> like
2: you're joining us because you're also a firm believer in the film communities and not just in like the filmmaking communities but the film conversation community. Right. Uh, that's how you guys met. That's what you do for a living—is you go from festival to festival, finding these communities. Uh, and, you know, is obviously that's important to you. You are going to echo what David says.
0: Yeah, I, I, you know, when you go to these film festivals, this is the next wave of what it's going to be like for those future masters of horror, those future filmmakers. Um, when it comes to a film like Murder Made Easy, you know, obviously there's some inspiration. But you see the brilliance of the theatrical performance. You see what the film is able to do, how it influences and twists the genre. And for me, being able to talk to David in the past and being here uh, as a guest of his, of Andy's, of of your two. And thank you so much for having me on as part of this. But to do the Q&A tonight is amazing. To collect those conversations, to go to film festivals and talk to the people who, especially when it comes to short programming, doesn't really get that airtime. So it's an opportunity to see those rising stars and talk to the people who are going to influence others.
1: Yeah. I'm sorry. Can I just say how Please. I met Jay? Yes. That's true. Yes. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it kind of is what I'm talking about like just being sincere and supportive and because I, I, so the first film festival we got Murder Made Easy, Murder Made Easy into was the Women in Horror f- uh, Film Festival in 2017. Right. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize at the time but Jay was involved with that, um, but he wasn't able to attend and that was a great festival. It was the first year, but they had tremendous guests. They had really good filmmakers and some of the films were really phenomenal, and um, so then I kind of became familiar with Jay because he was online constantly, going to all the different film festivals and interviewing people. And I was like, ah, and he was he was writing for Horrorhound, and right. um, and I was like, this is this is someone that maybe I want to get my movie in front of. I didn't realize you had seen it already. I had yeah. not make that connection. I've seen it seven times, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I sent him a thing, yeah. and I just reached out to him, and, and he was like, yeah, sure, man. I was like, oh, this guy's so so nice, but I mean, that's the kind of connections you met, you can make with yeah. people. Uh, you know, there was a distributor. I'm not going to say who it was, but they were basically <laughs> I like. I want all this information no. <laughs> off air. <laughs> <laughs> they were basically like, um, well, why do you. It's like, I, I, when I was researching distributors, I was talking to them. And. And the person who owned the company, they're like, well, well what, what kind of film festivals did you get into? Did you get into uh, Sundance or South by Southwest? I'm like, like no, we, we, didn't, we didn't get into any of those. He's like, well, it's not worth it. Like, what's the point? And, like, and I was like, hmm. And I totally disagreed what she, was sa- what she was saying. I'm like, this is the point. Like, this, is, this has value because I feel like if I'm lucky enough to make another feature film, all the stuff Jay's talking about, I'm now, like, laid down that groundwork to, you know, because I have that community there that hopefully if it's a good film that people will be supportive and so I think this has value even if you don't go to like you know a big name festival I, uh, the people it's the people
2: I mean I absolutely agree for Billy and I like our best festivals have not been you know the TIFFs and the right. Sundances sure. they are the genre blasts, right. they are the Chattanooga Film Fests the Overlook coming forward that's where you get to actually have a one-on-one experience with filmmakers like David here I mean everywhere else you know there's thousands and thousands of people All trying to go for, uh, to get that conversation with this ex filmmaker. Uh, But in the smaller festivals, it's more about. The passion of the film. Right. It's more about the conversation around the film. It's more about the community itself. Uh, it's more intimate. That's what attracts, I think, I think both Brad and
3: I, that's what attracts us, is is you get more unguarded passion when you are, are talking to newer people. You know, the more established I think people get, the more on brand and on script and the patter is the pattern they know it and it's just kind of back for, forwards and backwards, mm. which is not dull or, no. or uninteresting by any stretch, don't get me wrong. Um, but it's not raw. And I think that there's something interesting and amazing to connect with people who are taking this idea that they have about a career that they can pursue or, or right. a line of filmmaking and literally uh, crafting it into reality in front of you in this experience. And, like, I think that's that's just a magical thing to uh, sit and, and, like, be blessed to participate with.
1: Yeah, and, and, and what you're saying, too, when you go and see these films, as someone who, you know, wants to make films, and you see that some of them are really good, it is that sort of thing like, wow, they made it happen. How did they make it happen? Maybe I should talk to them. If they can do it, maybe I – I mean, it is really encouraging because so often we find ourselves, I think, as human beings, like, oh, I can't do that. I can't, I can't, I can't. And then when you see people do it at a festival, you're like, well, they did it, and they had to, like, pawn their car or whatever they had to do. Yeah, it's not like um, some big Hollywood movie stuff that's unattainable. You know, you find people that that are making it happen.
0: Well, and and, you know what I want to add to that, because the experience I've had with Horror Happens Radio and, you know, for seven years, all I did was talk to filmmakers and film festival programs. But it's not even the ones that have the quality movies. It's really any filmmaker, you know, giving the opportunity to the person who is made a 60 second short. Um, giving the opportunity for a person who's made a sixty minute feature and so on and so forth. You know, they all have stories. They all have, Tips, they all have tricks, they have all all have hardships. And you wanna be able to give those opportunities and it we it usually opens up doors to other people you never even thought you were going to talk to. Because I'm sure with, with the three of you in front of me right now, genre blast, correct, is yep. where you all met. Yeah. You know, you know, there were certain factors that brought you guys together to be able to talk about this. And it's more than just a film, it's a passion for movies. It's certain other aspects. The draft is a great one, but there's always those stories, whether it's a good movie or not, that really Matter, and that's what makes these conversations so great.
2: I agree
3: a
0: thousand percent <laughs> with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, all right, let's, let's
3: wrap this up.
2: But David, I wanted to get back to this idea of you having to <laughs> maintain your enthusiasm for your film in all of these environments, and certain audiences are going to respond to your film in different ways. Yeah, yeah. you know, like what keeps you as obviously energized as you are today, as you were a year ago?
1: Well, I think maybe it came from uh, my roots of being involved in the music scene in Los Angeles. My documentary was about this music scene called Kiss or Kill, and the bands had to do that for themselves. And I wasn't one of those people in the band I played in. I wasn't the primary point person that would do that. But I saw the band leaders or whatever doing that. They would have to go out and book shows across country. Sometimes you're playing a club with like 10 people, and they don't they, they want to watch the sports game. They don't care about you, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it came from that where I sort of learned through osmosis or something where it's like you have to hustle. I mean, I, I don't And you have to believe in your project. I mean, uh, an early version of our trailer got put on YouTube. Um, is, I, it's so funny. There's so many weird things out there. It's like they have a, a, a ton of subscribers and they're just like and they put some passive aggressive <laughs> message in the, the, the movies, our movies, uh, Facebook page like. But after the fact, like, hey man, we're gonna put this up on YouTube. If you don't want to, let us know. Like, <laughs> not and like, okay. And it's an early version of the trailer, and like the car- the comments are horrible. They're like, this is terrible. Is this the room? It just goes on and on and on. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, even if my movie's like most terrible thing in the universe, like I'm like, you know what? Like that's cool. I'm gonna still keep going, like, because I believe in it. And there's there are some people that really like the movie, and we did get into some festivals. And I think like if you don't believe in your movie, then no one else is gonna believe in your movie. You know, so. I feel like that's how it was with the bands, you know. Um and I feel like, you know, you're your best cheerleader. So if you don't do unless you have money to just throw at people, you know, get a good PR person and stuff like that, but you know, I'm not so many pictures. I don't have money to throw at people, so I have to do it myself. And I I feel like, yeah, you just you know, if that that's, you know, that's just it unless you have a producer that will do that for you, you know. Um so that, you know, you can just take care of making the film or you just want to be the director, but um With Murder Made Easy, it's a, you know, that part of it's just me. So I feel like if I don't do it, no one else will. So, It's crazy to think, though, you know, this age that we
2: live in right now uh, online when, you know, you can put your blood, sweat and tears into a film uh, and it can be robbed from you in a trailer and dumped onto some YouTube uh, site. Yeah. uh, Like having to then... I don't know, going to damage control on that? Yeah, or yeah, you no, I thought about it? About that. Like, well, well, the <laughs> thing
1: is, see, it's not like no, no like Murder Made Easy is a nothing film from a little guy. Like, so it doesn't matter. So I talked to the the filmmakers who have ruined me about it, and I was you know, lamenting about it. And they're like, yeah, what well, happened to us, too? Someone, like, whatever. They illegally uploaded our film. And I said, well, what, what do you think I should do? And they're like, you know what? Just leave it there. It's, like it's name recognition at this point. You know what I mean? And I, I, I think that, too, there's a culture... As we know, especially, you know, with a lot of recent developments on Twitter and all that, there's a culture online, which is just like people will go on there to just be as mean as they can and just tear. it's like almost like a contest. And so um, I don't want to be a part of that. That's, you know, I'd rather create things and try to destroy things. So um, now if it was a bigger film and, a, and like I think if it was like a, a bi- bigger distributor, or even a medium sized distributor, they might have a big problem with that and then they can get legal involved. But I'm like, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, like at this point. You know, to me, it's just about getting the movie out there and people either will like it or they won't. So what's your biggest win
2: in marketing Murder Made
1: Easy? Biggest win? Wow. Sitting here with you guys right now. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, <laughs> my <laughs> ego appreciates that. Thank you. <laughs> um, no, but that's true. Like getting to do things. I mean, like, I, like, like meeting you guys doing the podcast and, you know, people will comment on it or like, hey, I heard about this movie from, you know, It Mod or... Or getting to know Jay online and then all of a sudden, you know, he's doing stuff for Dread Central, which is great. It's a perfect fit. And then he's like, hey, man, do you want to do an interview for Dread Central? I'm like, yeah. You know, like when we made this film, I mean, I thought, hey, man, we'll make it. Maybe we'll get into a couple festivals. Maybe we'll find some distribution if we're lucky or we can do it ourselves. And what we've been able to do has just been way beyond my expectations. So I would say all of this is just amazing to me. Like, like tonight with film club, you know, Andy uh, runs the film club here at the uh, Alamo draft house, Winchester. And um, Juanita is one of his yeah. regulars. And she saw my film at genre blast. Excuse me. She actually was going to go home. because She had seen a film before it. And she's like, oh, I'll check out this murder mystery. And she really liked it. And she went up to Andy afterwards and said, Hey man, this, this film I just saw at genre blast would be perfect for film club. And, she kind of put that bug in his ear. Then I reached out to him and he's like, yeah, absolutely. And I look at what he's bringing in and he's bringing like next week or a couple of days are bringing Terry Gilliam's new yep. film. I'm like what the hell am I doing screening <laughs> in a program? I'm like, But that's what I'm talking about. You know, if you're just sincere and you're honest about it and you, You'll find people that will support you. I remember when I made my documentary and I was, I entered into all the big festivals and like everybody else does and like most people, you don't get into them. At some point, I was getting really discouraged and I told myself, I said, this film will find a home. And it did. You know, it got into some, you know, medium sized, smaller festivals, but that led to distribution, led to uh, my friendship with a guy named Andrew Vandenhouten who liked the documentary so much. He came on board as a producer and, you know, he's done a lot of great indie horror films and he's sort of my mentor. And so, you know it's like there was there, actually Kevin Smith told that story about clerks, which is now like a classic indie film, but he played it it got into some festival I don't remember I don't remember the name of it, but and he went to see it at that festival and it was like him and like two other people, yeah. and he was like mortified and he's like, wow, well, I'm a failure and I'm not comparing my skills to Kevin Smith. I'm just saying this is the type <laughs> of story that is encouraging and then um turns out one of the other people that was there was uh, a programmer or something and recommended it to sundance yeah. and that's how So, uh, and that that was true with the bands, too. We had a, um, there was a band called Bang Sugar Bang, and uh, Matt Southbelt was a sort of leader of that band, and he would say that. He's like, man, when you guys go out there, if you're playing a club and there's like two people there, you play your heart out as if you're in a big stadium, because you never know, if you make two extra fans, that's two more fans than you had before, or there could be somebody there that might know someone or whatever, like, just, you should always put your heart out there and do your best, no matter how bleak it seems, you know what I mean? And um, so, I don't know. I, don't want, I got off on a tangent there. No,
2: I think you answered it. I think you answered oh, that's it. that's
1: a good tangent, though.
2: <laughs> uh, so just in case we haven't... Ha- our listeners are not familiar with Murder Made Easy, that they didn't listen to our last episode, that they haven't watched your film yet. Uh, we've been talking on and on about selling it. But <laughs> now let's sell it to the the new listeners in this podcast. Like, yeah. what is Murder Made Easy to you? I know you don't consider it a horror film, no. although it does show up sometimes on uh, those festivals. Yeah. What is it to you? Uh,
1: murder Made Easy is like an Agatha Christie type murder mystery, you know, and it's very much like a play put on film. Uh, so, if you like twisty, turny murder mysteries, um, in the in the in the sort of vein of like Sleuth or Death Trap, or Hitchcock's Rope is a big influence on it, then this is the movie for you, like a Who Done It. So, uh, yeah, we just we're, it's coming out on Blu-ray from Screen Team releasing, which is why we're showing it tonight. And then we don't know what the date is, but later on, late summer, early fall, it'll be on uh, Amazon Prime, VOD, all that stuff through Terra Films. So, um, yeah, if you like, if you enjoy a good whodunit, you know, actually, it's funny because Ryan Johnson's new film was a whodunit. Yeah, Knives, Knives Out. Out yeah. So, and we had a remake of Murder on the Own Express, and I think Kenneth Branagh is doing. Uh, murder on an Isle, I believe. Yeah, Death on an Isle. Death on an Isle, sorry, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know my Agatha Christie really well, don't I? But, um, <laughs> but like, uh, then there was like, Game Night, which really wasn't a whodunit, but sort of kind of was. I mean, so these crime is very popular, murder mysteries. I like that stuff a lot. I, I'm a big lover of horror films, too. But, um, yeah, I found that, yeah, there's a niche people, niche people that really love that kind of stuff. And uh, if you like that, you might like Murder Made Easy. I think what I responded so positively towards your film is that, you know,
2: there's a crime element, there's a mystery element, uh, a a locked closet kind of element to it, but it's all an excuse for character. Mm. And it, at the end of the day, what you're really engaging is with these performers that you've put into this scenario and Mm. what it does to these individuals. Uh, that's like, that's the most exciting element to it for it for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, because of budget, we did keep it to one location. And um, I enjoy those kind of films, too. There was The Invitation, you know, and I'm saying films like that. But, I mean, just this the scenario of having, like, a one-location kind of thriller or murder mystery. Um, and, yeah, that was that was the challenge we took on. Could we make that interesting? A one-location dinner party murder murder mystery, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy when people, it works for people, you know. Um we, we got mostly good reviews. Some people doesn't work and I understand that, you know, but um, that is the, that is the, that is the challenge because it's very much like a play. I think I said last time going to these genre festivals and we'll see tonight, you know, like is really a little bit intimidating to me because oftentimes that kind of audience they and myself included, they want to see blood and guts and car crashes and, a priest that turns into a dinosaur. Yeah. Plung for the pastor. <laughs> it's an incredible film. Uh, but, uh, but my film's not like that. My film's like a bunch of people talking and slow burn and something happens. And st- uh, a couple things happen, but I can't tell you what it is because it's a twist. And you just hope that people like that kind of murder mystery and they go with it. It's a little bit old fashioned, I guess. And uh, like I said, I find that there are a lot of people that do like that. And some people, not their thing, but that's cool. You know? So, yeah. Genre festivals right now
2: are such a mixed bag already. You know, you like uh you used to know like based on what festival you were going to what kind of intensity that film would be or whatnot. And I just feel like now there's a much more open environment from the festival audiences. Like when you go to Fantastic Fest, they're okay to have a slow burn next to a who done it next to a gore gore film. Uh I think you do have to you know, you can speak to this or not, but like you do have to navigate your audience. You have to prepare your audiences so that they know what they're going into, that you have a right blurb for yeah. the paragraph.
1: Well, that, 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 that gets into um, uh, sort of promoting the film, too. Mm-hmm. Like um, the, uh, excuse me, the Blu-ray art for our film, I think, kind of uh, represents a film in a good way. It's sort of a tabletop with a gun on the plate. But we have reversible art that's sort of the horror version of that. And I was working with a company called Small Dog Design. They're up in Canada. It's like a a husband and wife own it. They do great work. They did the artwork for like the woman and a bunch of other stuff. And I got that lead through Andrew Vandenhouten who uses them. Uh, and, um, so I had him do a number of different types of artwork for Murder Made Easy. And so we struggled with that I actually, like do we represent it for, you know, with the sort of more horror art, cause it's not a horror film, you know? So yeah, you, you I think that's a good point. You, you want to set up your audience for what this thing is, you know what I mean? You don't want to deceive them. So that that's tricky. Really well, tricky. you
2: know, we recently went to the Chattanooga Film Festival. Are we going to talk I'm about not, this? No, I'm not going oh, to name the film. Oh, I'm not going to name Chris. the film. Come on. You <laughs> <laughs> <We laughs> love Chris. You know, I know. And, and, and it was like, okay, so. We're going to talk about, right, it's talk about it. It's how you got to talk about, all right, all we about it. Talk Let's about do it. it. So Crispin Glover did a, a performance out there of It Is Fine, Everything Is Fine, Okay. which is a film. Designed not to be for everybody. <laughs> well, that's, uh, wow, that's an interesting way to put that. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty um, accurate. And but I I we, we know who Crespin Glover is. He's been on the show. We, we had a great conversation He's with awesome. him. It was a wild conversation with him. It was um, deeply we, fascinating. We knew basically what we were getting into, or at least we knew that it was going to be sure. something. <laughs> 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 uh, but that the reaction at that. That At that audience, there was a large portion of them who were not prepared for that type of film. That was going to deal with a main character who had cerebral palsy. That was going to deal with... Uh, have, uh, you, have you seen this movie? I have not seen it, no. Oh, shit. I mean, the quick, short plot... Oh, God, can I do this real quick? Uh, man with cerebral palsy, uh, w- when he talks to women, they all understand him. They all love him. They, they want to be with him. And he reciprocates by murdering them. Ah, okay. Uh, And it's played by Stephen C. Stewart, who had cerebral palsy. He's no longer with us. It's an Uh, angry movie, very angry. Directed by Crispin
1: Glover, and directed
2: by Crispin Glover and uh, David Bloth, not David Blossoms, David Brothers. Sorry, and co-directed by David Brothers. Okay, and you know that film is unleashed. And if you're not ready for that film, you're going to be really moved by that film, you're going to be really upset by that film, you're going to be really angered by that film. Mm. And I think if we had seen that at, I don't know, Fantastic Fest or Cinepocalypse, uh, it may have been marketed differently, I don't know. The the audience may not have been so... uh, Some of the audience may not have been so attacked by it. (laughs) And the audience, a lot of the members at Chattanooga Film Festival were really profoundly disturbed by it. And I think that had to do with how it was marketed mm. in the brochure of I the mean, festival.
1: I Yeah, I don't, like... How, how did it, they market it, if you were someone... It was
2: that, an evening
3: with... Crispin Glover. Uh, Crispin Glover, a Hollywood well, they got icon what they or something yeah, like yeah. that. The, the
2: star of Back to the Future, right. and the River's Edge, and things like that.
3: And if that's what you think that you're going to get when you show up to that, when he starts doing his German uh, Hitler uh, prepared reading before his his movie... You're going. Whoa! <laughs> what is going on? What's happening? <laughs> wow. Um And then that's the segue to uh, uh, what is a very interesting piece of art and a movie that is definitely not for me. Um, yeah,
2: and and, and the Billy's word is very angry movie, and yeah, and
3: you can't did, did watch people, that film. Did people
2: walk out? Uh, some walked out. When the Q and A started, a lot of people walked out before the Q and A.
3: So if you don't, yeah, if you don't know his show, his show is a four hour block, and the intro to the movie is an hour of him doing prepared readings of his wow. personal fiction Crazy. writing. Right, um, and then you see the movie. The movie's like eighty minutes or something like that, and then he allots an hour and a half for Q and A with the audience. And the Q and A is fascinating wow. because you know four hour
2: experience. Yeah,
3: it's a four hour experience with Chris McClure. It's but you know he'll he'll tell the block. stories. If you want to talk Weber. about Back to the Future or whatever, he'll he, tell you that yeah. story. David Letterman. He's, he's talks very about giving. David Letterman. He's
1: so is heard. that was is that, uh, that real? Is he copped to that being real or not? The, the uh, karate kick.
2: Uh, he says that is a character that he is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't would be to ruin his, it for him, he's but a character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a man. it's a creation. Like he was working on a persona in that scene. It's that's that's him doing
1: it. Was Letterman Popper. in on it or does he know? No. He says no.
3: He says no. And Letterman seemed genuinely pissed.
1: Yeah, so. yeah that's the way it comes up, but you don't know what, like, uh, but uh, yeah. But
2: to bring it back to this Marketing. conversation right. and what you were saying there is, you know, you go into festivals and they are more open than ever. But if you don't, if you don't sell your film to your audience in that moment well, that can, that can change your whole conversation of how that film's perceived by, by that crowd. And then they go to Twitter.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and, that, and that's fair. Uh, that's fair because the horror version of our uh, poster um, got up on Reddit, and people, and it's funny, Ooh. and it, it does look like a slasher 80s kind of uh, horror artwork, and people that are commenting on Reddit are hilarious. So like, this looks like another slasher film. What the hell is this? Da-da-da-da. And then they put two and two together, some of them, and when they saw the trailer that everyone hated on, they're like, what the hell is this? This is not, this is, you know, so then I was like, oh, maybe we've got to be careful how we're like, it's, it's exactly what you're saying. You you. know how are you, What is it that you have and how are you portraying it to your... I think maybe the big film studios can get away with it more because they don't care as long as people get in the seats. It's easier
3: for them to
2: put butts in chairs.
3: And right.
1: you, you can't back out of that equation. You're part
2: of the selling of your movie as right. much as the making of the movie. And that's got to be kind of torturous.
1: Yeah, but I think um, it's it's like, what have, I, what have I learned? That's one thing I learned, exactly what you're saying how do you market what you have? How do you accurately portray your film? in a way that's not going to be dishonest and also try to draw people in. I mean, it's like advanced marketing stuff and like I'm not a marketing person, you know, yeah. I'm just trying to do the best I can, but it goes along with the previous question about how do you do your own PR and you just stumble along and you learn and you, you know, well, that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's try it. Let's Let's learn from that. What are other filmmakers? When we talk to them, what kind of, you know, what kind of artwork are they putting out there? What, how did they market their film? A lot of it's just asking questions of other filmmakers and other people, you know, in this, in this sort of filmmaking world. Yeah, you just, you just stumble along and you learn. And you fall you fall down and you go, oh, I broke my arm. Okay, that healed up. Let's get back up and try something different. <laughs> and, and you just keep going, you know? Uh,
2: but for Jay, you, you know, becoming uh, friends with Dave, like we've become friends with David, I like having you on this podcast because you're kind of doing what we want to be doing. You're going out and, you know, hitting every festival that's yeah. possible, meeting as many filmmakers as possible. Um, for you, in... Continuing
0: the conversation, like, what do you see your job as a collector of conversations? You know, it's interesting. It, and you can thank Jerry Smith for that, that moniker of collector of conversations, because I, I see myself as someone who's giving opportunities to people who don't get them. Um, you know, you put a film out in the world, a, a short, a feature, a documentary Um, Just like you put a podcast out in the world, and there's so many of them now. (laughs) And, you know, a lot of times people are just talking to each other, but to give the opportunity to build a conversation, to talk to people that you never have. It, you know, I, I think what I'm doing is I'm, I'm just giving opportunity. You know, I'm giving opportunity on, on the platform that I'm able to, and not just an opportunity with independent film, but, but all kinds of film. you know. It, I just put out a show on Rock Rage Radio, a full week's worth of conversations for Overlook,
2: oh, nice. including
0: yeah. Timpson and Travis Stevens and all of them, people who were at Chattanooga. And I wasn't at Chattanooga this year, and I, I regret missing, especially after the Crispin Glover story. Um, <laughs> you missed
3: something. But missed something. but I was wow. able
0: to put the stuff together because nowadays you can go anywhere and do the conversations. You can be inside an Alamo Draft House, in a studio, on the road, at a festival, whatever it is. So, you know, moving it forward and giving the opportunity for someone who is making his way through, like David is, learning on the job and giving opportunity for him to speak so other people who are more established can hear it and go, wow, I love that. I love this guy's passion. I love what he's doing with the film. And that, it's something that, that David and I get a chance to tell you. It, it do, I do panels for Horror Hound, and one of the panels I did was for The Nightmare Before Christmas, mm. and it had Ken Page and it had Chris Randon on it. Mm. It's fantastic, mm. and I thank Horror mm. Hound every single day of doing it. Do you know what they cried over? Mm. Their theater work. And yeah. for a film, they these actors love the theater. And for what you've been able to put together with Murder Made Easy, which is for me is more of a stage piece than it is a film, the way it's yeah. blocked, the way that you do with the camera work, the performances, the dialogue, everything else. Obviously, you can see I'm a fan of this, of the stage, but it taps right into it where someone like a Chris Sarandon hears your conversation and goes, oh, that's an interesting film. I think I'll have to check that out. Maybe I might want to work with them. So that's what I look at doing. Brad, moving the agenda forward is giving those opportunities for filmmakers to be able to develop, you know, what they do with that opportunity is up hmm. to them, but to open that door.
2: Yeah, it's interesting, like the little relationships that we all form at, oh, yeah. through these communities. Uh, and, you know, you two guys meet through festivals, we meet you through genre Blast, right. and it's mutually beneficial, uh, but it, I think it all ends up coming down to celebration of the, the art, that we cherish. Yeah. Right. Yes. On both sides.
1: Yeah, I yeah, totally. And I think that the way things are now, this is such a cliche. Actually, Jim Cummings who did um uh, Thunder Road. He's he's saying this all the time on his Twitter. Like, there's no excuse not to make your movie, but really things have gotten that the equipment is so got cheap. The camera. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, J.J. Exactly. Abrams said that when he when he was doing a, a press tour for The Force Awakens. Somebody asked him that question. He's like, look, everyone's got a camera in their pocket. They got an iPhone in their pocket. Yep. Like Tangerine was made on an iPhone, that, that, and then he made um, the Florida project. Yep. Uh, what's his name? Simon. Uh, Sean Baker. Sean Baker. He's great. So there really is no excuse, I think, um, because the equipment is so much cheaper than it used to be. And like I said, you just, I get very inspired by seeing other people's work. You know, you go to these festivals and you find these little hidden gems and you're like, wow, this is incredible, man. How did they do that? I got to talk to them. Or, or you meet your future collaborators, like my two lead actors, uh, Christopher Soren Kelly and Jessica Graham, I met at film festivals, you know. And through them, I met my cinematographer, Sherry Kalk. And so like... Yeah, it's all there for for people to do. It's just um, you have to get over that first mental... Like what you guys said with, before we uh, started doing this on, about your podcast. It's like, mm-hmm. well,
0: no one else. We can't wait around for permission. Let's just do a podcast. And you just sort of have to jump in and do it. And and that's one thing. You, before we went on, Mike, you talked about, you know, finding a direction that you wanted to go with it. Seven years ago, well, 17 years ago, um, for a full decade, I did swing, big band, jazz, jump, who's and rockabilly radio. And I would do interviews. I would, I would broadcast... And after a decade, my audience was gone. And I said to my fiance, the ghost, who's been my partner forever, I said to her, I go, you know, I don't. am I going to leave radio? Am I done? Or do I want to do something else? And it took me months before I decided to do the format I did with Horror Happens. And if it wasn't for people like Denise Gossett out in Los Angeles for Shriek Fest, yeah. uh, Dave knows her, and Jack Ketchum, who's now the oh, part. Yeah. If it wasn't for them and having such incredible interviews... I don't know if I'd be here doing it. So it's a matter of what people are listening to and what how they, how they take it forward. Because anyone can do what we're doing, whether it's the technology with the film, whether it's getting a Zoom, as we see in front, sure. multiple yeah. Zooms at this meeting, <laughs> um, whatever it is, it just takes the want and the know-how and the go. Well,
2: and then finding inspiration, being open to others, creativity, like watching yes. you maximize this conversation by videotaping. Right. And, exactly. And, right. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and getting it. And, yeah. You know, David, you getting out there and, you know, I mean, what you're doing with Murder Made Easy, like to me, you know, I see you on Facebook, I see you on Twitter. I like, you're so... Seemingly excited about
1: this thing. It's all cocaine. (laughs) All of it's cocaine. (laughs) Yeah, like it
2: could be cocaine. Although that doesn't last a year. You know, like like it's also maybe more expensive than a (laughs) pubes. The last couple of years. Yeah, yeah,
1: it made advances. Yeah, drugs have come a long way. (laughs) And like
2: watching what you've done with Murder Made Easy, just through those avenues is like, it's hard for me not to be inspired to to step up my own game with what measly thing that we're doing here. Like, okay, maybe we will
3: invest on mobile podcast one.
1: (laughs) I don't know. I'm getting, I'm getting emotional, Billy. Oh God! Oh, I like,
3: well, I mean, I'm just
1: thankful for you guys uh, having me on. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful. That anybody's interested in anything dealing with the movie, so thank you, uh, Jay. You guys, Nathan from Genre Blast, and Andy at the Alamo Draft House. I mean, this, is, all this stuff just kind of blows my mind. Like I said, that we're doing anything with this movie. To be honest with you, so <laughs> thank you. I've heard Brad describe it before as us being just
3: huge dorks for passion. And I I think at the end of the day, that's, that's really what it is. And I think what we connected with you at genre blast was about passion. It's, it's just, it's passion for what you're doing. And that like the, the older I get, Um, Late 30s now, right? (laughs) Late 30s, late Late 30s. 30s, I got a
2: year, I got a year. You got a year left before he's
3: not in his late 30s anymore. Actually, I've
2: got like four months. But
3: Uh, but I like that genuine passion becomes more valuable and more meaningful to me. I I think that it's so rare to find people who just truly love and are inspired by what they're doing and and living that to the fullest. I think it's amazing and I I love to see it every day. It's beautiful. I
1: appreciate that, guys. I mean, there are times when like when we were making the film like I said self-funding it going oh my god am I crazy and there's definitely times <laughs> you know um you know because I work a full like most of us but this is our passion and I work a full-time job and then having to stay on top of all this stuff yeah but um like tonight seeing it with an audience this will be the last time we're probably going to show it in a theater so I'm really looking forward to that and that really meeting other filmmakers seeing their projects talking to guys like you and and um being able to show your film really keeps you going so um I i hope to be back with, with my next film in the next couple of years. Uh, for sure. We want to see that. And hopefully it will be halfway decent. <laughs> um,
2: anyway. It, it will. Uh, so, you know, before we started this conversation off mic, I mentioned this. I wanted to talk about, you know, the selling of your movie, what you've been doing over the last year with your movie. Uh, and I don't know what you wanted to talk about before you came on this show, before I hijacked <laughs> it with that thought. But is there anything that you would want to, like, add uh, about Murder Made Easy uh, for our listeners before we get out of here?
1: Yeah. Murder Made Easy is now available on Blu-ray to order from screenteamreleasing.com. You can get a signed or unsigned copy. And if you order before the 20th of May, I don't know when this is going to be put out there, but.
2: Uh, After the 20th of May.
1: Okay. Uh, well, scratch that then. <laughs> uh, but you can you can still get signed or unsigned copies. And um, yeah, and then sometime, we don't have a, a release date yet through Terror Films, but sometime late summer or early fall, it will be available on Amazon Prime and DOD and all that good stuff. So again, like um, if you love murder mysteries, and I think you'll enjoy our film, and you can find me at uh, Dave Palomero on Facebook and at Dave Pal on Twitter and just Murder Made Easy on Twitter. And ugh, our... Facebook thing is like, you can search Murder Made Easy and find, fa- find it on Facebook because it's like capital M-M-E <laughs> M- movie 2017 or something. I don't know. I couldn't, like Murder Made Easy was not available as yeah. a uh, handle for Facebook. Ah, uh, the
0: internet.
2: Yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, so
0: much space and yet so little space. Of- yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah.
2: Jay, where can our listeners find you online?
0: Well, you can find me in the pages of Horror Hound and yeah. uh, Dread Central on there for stuff in horrorhappens.com.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Can I interject yeah. one more thing? I, yeah, of course.
0: Uh,
1: where's Mike Lombardo when you need him? Because he's the one. Yeah. We, we did his podcast, and he actually, at the end of it, because I, I he was like saying, don't you have this coming up, Dave? I'm like, oh, yeah. He's like, don't you have that coming up? i like, oh, yeah. like, oh, yeah. like, maybe Mike should be my uh, publicist. Um, if you're in the L.A. area on... I believe it's June 29th, Saturday, June 29th, we're doing a Blu-ray signing at Dark Delicacies, which is oh, a nice very amazing great. horror bookstore. Dell and Sue are amazing people. And you're now in the new location. Yes, he, he's just moved around a the corner. Yes. They used to be on Magnolia Boulevard. Yeah. He's on Hollywood Way. But uh, if you search Murder Made Easy, Dark Delicacies, um, it's like 4 p.m. on that Saturday, June 29th. And again, we're blown away. We contacted them, and they're like, sure. I'm, I've been a fan of that bookstore for years, so yeah. we're going to be doing a Blu-ray sign. So right.
2: glad that they're still around, that they found yes. a new location. Yeah. It's yes.
1: amazing. That place is amazing. It's a great yeah. bookstore. So
2: there's a plug for Dark Delicacies. If you're on the West Coast, you've got to go to Dark
1: Delicacies. Yes. It's cell. worth the drive. Yes. Absolutely, yeah. 100%.
2: Um, Billy, uh, I didn't give you the opportunity. I don't think we asked David your question during genre blast. So let's do your question and that's how we'll send us out. Well, it's, you know,
3: it's kind of fitting that the, the last thing that we were talking about is how you propel yourself forward. You know We have been blessed to have a lot of conversations with independent filmmakers, and I think the one through line for all of them is just how damn hard it is to go out and make the movie that you want to make. And so what we always like to end on is a positive note. Uh, so looking back on your experience with Murder Made Easy and bringing it to the masses and getting to the point where it's now a Blu-ray release that's going out into the world, um, is there a single moment that you can look back at that that is the moment that will buoy you uh, as you go on to your next movie and, and you run into low times as as filmmakers do.
1: Yes, there is. Um, I I also so I want to give a shout out to Justin Seaman who runs our our Blu-ray distributor, Scream Team Releasing. We met him at Genre Blast and he's been incredible to work with. So I wanted to give him a shout out. But the moment probably is when we were shooting uh, the film. There's a scene where an older gentleman, he plays a professor, and he walks in and it's a little bit cut up now, but it was one long take of him coming in, talking to people. They sit on the couch, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you know, we did that take like 25 times because there was construction noise outside or someone flubbed a line. And we were several days in the shooting, and we were starting to get a little bit cocky that we could do these long takes. And that one kicked our ass really good. And um, I just remember seeing our lead actor, Chris, fake like he's closing the door, front door, and do this thing over and over again because I had to hide behind a corner because it was like (laughs) we're shooting 360. And I'm like... Uh, and we couldn't have the air conditioning on because it was it would make oh noise. No. And I feel like, I felt like a sadistic guy. Like let's just put these guys in a hot stuffy room, make them do the same thing over and over again. And we finally got one good take where we got through the whole thing. And uh, I said, great, let's move on. And the entire cast and crew said, no, can we do more? We want to do more. And I couldn't believe that after doing this 25 times, they wanted to do more takes. They were like, no, we only got one good one, Dave. Let's keep going. And I thought they would want to kill me. (laughs) So (laughs) getting that support from the cast and crew was incredible. And that's something I was like, wow, they're really behind me. And looking back at the footage when we had to put some the leaded scenes and stuff like that in blu-ray they really were like because i was in a bit of a daze trying to do this movie but they were really like i just found the greatest cast and crew and they they were behind me through the whole thing and they didn't care how long it took they didn't care how many things went wrong they just wanted to do it right and that was incredible so i'll always remember that for sure
2: love it awesome response david jay thank you so much for thank you being here with us today we really appreciate it thank you guys
1: and uh you know
2: open invitation to you both. Come on back. Yeah. I want to live in this room. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's amazing. I'll always be back. (laughs) All right, guys. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you. And there you have it. We are back in the door cave. Our thanks once again to the Alamo draft house in Winchester, Virginia. And of course to Andy Guyerson for giving us the location and hosting such amazing screenings like murder made easy with Dave and Jay.
3: Well, and, and building a, a, fi- a film community in Winchester that is capable of sustaining bringing out all these rad guests and stuff. I, I just, I don't know, man. I love the Winchester. It's yeah.
2: Great. Yeah. And you know, we first met Dave as part of genre blast last year, which is a very uh, independent film festival run out of Virginia. I think it started in Richmond and then, you know, that, that scenario didn't quite work out for (laughs) the genre blast guys. And so of course they find the coolest film programmer in Virginia, Andy Garrison, and they make a home at the Alamo Winchester. And, I mean, it's a really special environment in that particular festival. It's unlike the Chattanooga Film Festival. It's unlike Fantastic Fest. It's unlike any other one we've attended.
3: And I, you know, if you didn't hear our genre blast coverage uh, last year around this time, maybe towards uh, September, or something like that. I forget if it was. August I can't or September.
2: remember when it was, Billy. Yeah. They all run together these festivals because we are like JK now, <laughs> hitting up every festival possible every weekend. We're at someplace cool, except for this weekend, next weekend, and the weekend after.
3: But the episode where we had uh, Nathan Ludwig on who talked about um, sort of the, the the theme behind Genre Blast and kind of what drives him. And that's also the episode that uh, Dave Palomaro comes on to talk about the making of um, uh, Murder Made Easy, which is a really great conversation, too.
2: And if you are interested in listening to those conversations, you will find that they are not on this particular feed. You need to jump Back over to the original In the Mouth of Darkness feed, the It Modcast yep. feed, and you can find those conversations on iTunes and Podbean right now.
3: So The only other thing that I I would like to add about this is, you know, I have gone and purchased uh, the Blu-ray for Murder Made Easy, uh, and they have a really great special feature on it. You know, in the making of conversation that I was just talking about, Dave talks about how uh, for their rehearsal, he shot the entire rehearsal sequence of the movie with an iPhone so that he could then have a conversation with his DP to talk about sort of what he wanted things to look at and use that as a reference visual aid. The special features on the Blu-ray gives you that footage where you can kind of see him going through the process oh, that's of rad. making this movie and talking about it. Um, I think it's a really interesting special feature. I think the movie's great, um, but that special feature in and of itself, if you're interested in filmmaking and what goes on behind it and how these various filmmakers are approaching it, uh, it's a good it's a good Blu-ray to pick up.
2: Yeah, go support independent film. Pick up Murder Made Easy on Blu-ray. All right always always all right so next week we are coming back and we are launching into our series of conversations that we had at the overlook film festival in new orleans um boy i mean it's a treasure trove of rad guests and i think our listeners are going to be super excited uh, we're going to kick things off next week with a chat with Mick Garrish. Shut up. What? <laughs> the director of Critters 2, the director of The Stand miniseries, The Shining miniseries, Sleepwalkers. Writer of Hocus Pocus. The writer of Hocus Pocus, <laughs> the creator of Masters of Horror on Showtime, which was one of my favorite you know, go-to uh, horror experiences back in the day. And he's kind of taken what he was doing there with Masters of Horror, finding Radford, Filmmakers letting them off the chain to do whatever they want to do within the context of a very large genre, you know, Mm -hmm. he talks about the massive umbrella that is horror. You can have comedy, you can have splat stick, you can have, you know, uh, deep explorations of existential dread uh horror gives it gives you the opportunity to do it all and he is doing that in his new film nightmare cinema an anthology film that has filmmakers like mick alongside joe dante and others to celebrate the genre Mm -hmm. and yeah this is a really special conversation absolutely thrilled to have him on the show And then after that, we're going to have chats in the coming month with um, Larry Fessenden. No big deal. Oh, oh my God. It's a big deal, Billy. How (laughs) dare you? It's a huge deal. It's a huge, enormous deal. It's a huge, enormous deal. We (laughs) talked to Adam Egypt Mortimer about his new film, Daniel Isn't Real. We talked to the producers behind Horror Noir, uh, History of Black Horror. That's Dr. Robin Armines Coleman. That's Ashley Blackwell. And that's Tanana Reevdu. Uh, and then who else? Am I missing somebody? Oh, and we talked to Grady Hendrix, yeah. uh, the screenwriter, novelist, uh, uh, orator, celebrator. <laughs> is that a word, celebrator? Uh, no, it's no, celebrator, but celebrator maybe. It, no, no. I like celebrator. <laughs> Paperbacks <laughs> from Hell. If you have not picked up his book, Paperbacks from Hell, you need to do so, and you need to stay subscribed to In the Mouth of Darkness Chatcast because the next month is going to be amazing. Oh yeah, Billy. Besides It Mod Chatcast, where can our listeners find you this month and many more months to come? Uh, so, you can
3: find me at WB Dass on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Uh, and you can also find me at Bill and Claire's Excellent Adventures, uh, which is a podcast I co host with my nine year old daughter as we work together to expand her cinematic horizons. And you can find that on Twitter at BACEA Podcasts
2: and you can find our other dorks Lisa Gullickson at Sidewalk Siren on all the social medias Brian Young at the Turtle Dork Darren Smith at the Disco Dork I of course am Brad Gullickson at Mouth Dork on all social medias you can follow this podcast on Instagram and Twitter at itmodcast but also head on over to our other feed itmodcat chat not itmodchatcast head on to our other feed it Modcast There you go Where we have Those past conversations <laughs> With guys like David Palomero And Nathan Ludwig Listen to those old chats uh, Listen to our current reviews Of Godzilla uh, King of the Monsters And um, Dark Phoenix That was a movie That people saw I guess Yep <laughs> uh, Anyway Until next time guys Take care
1: Visions are worth fighting for Why spend your life Making someone else's dreams
2: This is a microphone test. This is a microphone test. Billy, how are you? My microphone is working great.
3: Uh, My body is okay.
2: Your your body's okay? (laughs) That's for me to judge, sir. I think it is fine.